This is the Doctor Who podcast, and you are most welcome. In episode two of the Doctor Who podcast, we look at what the fans have thought of the 11th hour, the first Matt Smith outing. We've trawled the forums, we've read the emails, we've listened to the MP3s, and this is what the DWP team thinks of the reaction to Matt Smith's debut. Tom. Hello, Trev. How's it going? Oh, oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, We've come back for this exciting midweek episode because one of the things we want to do at the DWP whilst uh, season five is uh, happening is to present you with a midweek episode which will look at what the fans have said about the 11th hour. It's all very well you listening to what we witted about a few days ago and our thoughts on the 11th hour, but we really want to get out there and have a look at the forums, read the emails, uh, all that sort of stuff, and just gauge what the feeling on the street is for the 11th hour and for any subsequent episode. So um, in this second episode, we will be looking at that. We've had a look at the uh, Doctor Online forums. We've had a look at the Gallifrey Base forums. And, of course, we've had a look at our own forums at the Doctor Who podcast, which are bubbling along quite nicely now. Thank you very much. So so please keep um, putting your opinions on that as well. And we've also started receiving some genuine email feedback from you wonderful people out there. So please keep that coming in because we can certainly include that in these special midweek fan reaction episodes. So if you can get it in quickly enough after the episode's screened, then we can certainly slot it in for a midweek airing. I suppose we should start with the hard facts, Tom. As of recording, the overnight figures are in for the screening of the 11th hour and it was seen by 8 million viewers on BBC One with another 0.3 million watching on BBC HD, giving it a total audience of 8.3 million. And that's brilliant because we know that the Saturday night show that was screened opposite it on ITV got something around 3.9, so half of the actual viewing figures for Doctor Who. It's also saying here, um, courtesy of the news on the Gallifrey Base website, it was the most watched program on British television on Saturday night, yep. uh, beating Casualty by nearly uh, two and a half million viewers. It was the top program out of six programs and eight out of the top ten programs for that particular night. So that's, that's, that's pretty good. It's brilliant, particularly given that it's a new man and people are tuning in. Uh, it was actually quite a bright, sunny day in the UK. So yeah, it, it, it's a good result. Um, I'm pretty sure that a lot, not all, uh, Doctor Who fans will be the sort of people who have the space in their life that's filled with football uh, for other people, filled with Doctor Who. So this is the one time of the week where I'm actually interested in beating somebody or getting a, or getting, or getting a result. And uh, to, to beat Anton Deck uh, by two to one is fantastic. And to be the most watched show in, so, well, to date anyway, um, before the, the final figures come out, to be the most watched show for the week after the soaps, which just eats all of the ratings, is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, what, what makes it more fantastic for me is that 
Doctor Who was screened on the Easter weekend. Mm. Now, for me, that means the ratings can only go up because oh. I think there's going to be a, a fair proportion of our listeners and a fair proportion of our uh, viewing public out there that will be viewing it later because they're, you know, they're away for the weekend. I mean, I assume it's the same in Britain as it is in Australia. People go away for the Easter weekend and have a bit of fun and frolicking. So uh, I, I can really see the ratings for next week's episode, Beast Below, hitting the 10 million mark because everyone will be back. Well, most, most of the reviews are so incredibly positive as well, so I'm thinking people will be back, but also perhaps we're going to attract some new audience with people wanting to see what all the fuss is about. Um, I, I don't think that... Um, well, we'll get to it later on, but there's always a certain amount of threat on the internet of people saying, well, this person's finished, I'm never going to watch the show again. Uh, and clearly, it's not happened. What a shame. No, it's, it's, <laughs> been, it's been incredibly overwhelmingly positive. Uh, mm. the, the ratings have shown that much to my surprise, because I really thought the Easter weekend would have chewed into the ratings a lot. But also from the reactions we're seeing um, on the forums and in your emails to the DWP at feedback at the Doctor Who podcast.com. If we start with the Doctor Who online forums, uh, home of the uh, DW Who cast, they uh, have given it an, an incredibly positive rating. 83% of the forum posters have given it a rating of four or higher. Now their rating is only from one to five, it, it must be stated. And... Uh, they've, they've had about 378 votes so far. Over on Gallifrey Base, um, they've had nearly 4,500 votes so far. Over 94% of voters rated a 7 or higher. Wicked. And 32% gave it a 9, um, which just is incredibly outstanding. I suppose anything that really stood out for me on the DWO forums was a higher proportion of people gave it a 1. 5% of DWO posters said it was poor compared to every other forum I'm looking at, which has very negligible uh, listings of people saying it, it was a poor or awful episode. The, the interesting thing is, just as, a, as the show airs, and I've noticed this over the last couple of years, is that you get the two extremes of opinion, yes. and then over a period of time it sort of coalesces into the middle when people have calmed down a little bit and they've put it in context. It always seems to be that people are very, <clears throat> the majority of people, are very positive about uh, the actual show and what they've seen, uh, even Gridlock. Um, and then you've got people who, are, who tend to say the same thing. Oh, it's not the Doctor Who I used to remember. Oh, it's a bit Scooby-Hoo. Oh, it's a bit like kid. It's a bit too kiddie. I've always read those criticisms as not being a criticism of the show, but a criticism that they can't travel back in time and be 10 again. You do make a very valid point, actually, because I've, I've noticed that ever since the series has come back, that people who want to make a very gut instinct reaction, probably within two minutes of watching the episode, mm. will be the only people posting on the forums or, or rating. Mm. You know, within that first few hour window, there, there will be the extremes of the people saying, oh, best episode ever, 10 out of 10. And then there'll be the other people at the other end saying, oh, that, that was terrible. Why did I bother watching this? Can I get that hour of my life back? It's really interesting to, to, to read them, but then to flick down maybe 20 or 30 pages in the forum listing and then start looking at, reactions that maybe come in 12 or 14 or even 20 hours afterwards. Mm. And then you really start to see a lot of the reason debate come out. People have had time to let it sink in. Maybe they've watched it once or twice. Mm -hmm. And um, you're, you're really starting to see a lot of the comments that most interest me where, where they start talking about the various aspects of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of people trying to pick up on the story arc as well. Um, so... Lots of mention of the Pandorical, lots of mention of, of the crack that was in Amy's wall and on the TARDIS scanner, uh, and also that phrase that silence will fall. 
um, which is brilliant. So it, it's it, it's it's good that people are trying to latch onto what the whole season arc might be about. You know, one of the most interesting things I saw was about Rory's identity card. I don't know if you saw that one. No, please tell. Someone's done a zoom up of Rory's identity card, and it looks like it was issued on the 30th of November 1990, which is really interesting because that, it, you know, Doctor Who, it, the Doctor Who production team aren't sloppy. Plus, you know, all going, going on around him with all that thing with laptops and smartphones. So either Rory's not aged or he's not a human or that card is wrong because... There was, a, there, was, there was some time spent focusing on it, you know, when it, when it was that little section wow. when the Doctor was look, was uh, remembering everything it had seen. And you look at the card and you, you zoom up and it's like, yep, yeah, 30th of, the, of November 1990, which just throws the timing right out. It's like a, it's like a unit thing in the, in the new series. <laughs> Um, a lot of the reaction seems to be centred on the idea that the story is quite satisfying as well. People used to complain that um, Russell Davis would just expose all these great concepts and put, push a big red reset button at the end of it to make it mm, all go away. Mm. Um, but a lot of the reaction I'm seeing is that the threads were nicely exposed and were, and were what's the word I'm looking for, and were well resolved, which is, which is quite wonderful. Very much so. I mean, there um, seems to be a lot of positive reaction um, amongst the fans regarding this that, that they are really warming to Moffat's writing style or the or the writing style of the team. Um but on the other side of it too there there, there have been comments I've read um about Moffat rehashing plot elements. Some people have said that the uh whole concept with Amelia waiting for her doctor to return her, her imaginary friend is very similar to Madame de Pompadour's uh yearning in Girl in the Fireplace. Uh, of course it was another Moffat script. Um, the the use of the concept of the word duck that seems to have been done, I think, once or twice before. And there there, there have been comments about um, Matt Smith sounding a bit too tenant like, especially that stuff towards the end when he really should have been his own doctor. And we get stuff about um, the eleventh doctor facing off against an enemy and telling it to basically run. Um, that that seemed to be very tenanty. And I I think some of the posters. Which, which I've read anyway, were, were yearning more for a break away from that and for Matt Smith to be his own doctor. I hear what you're saying, but in, fa- in total fairness, he's saying that while the, while the other ten are going by, he's putting on his costume, he steps through the face of David Tennant and then st- stands there like, uh, like a boxer, going, basically, just run. I mean, and at, at that moment, he was, he was the most of himself that had been all episode and because he'd been he's been regenerating in the fiction of the story um and i did see for a moment now i've thought about it very much of that old man and young man's body because he did just look like yes. a nasty old cockney you know what I mean? <laughs> it did i mean what the main impression or, or the word that sprung into my mind when i saw him standing there in that full costume was uncoordinated he, he had a slight lean to i suppose stage right i suppose that he he wasn't full of stature that he was very uncomfortable in his body, and 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 I think that's what we've talked about before. How he's not going to be fully in in charge of all his faculties and his senses, even when he's going to be the doctor. But and that's the thing, right up until the point where he says, "Look, do you know what? You better run, <laughs> run for it." And I thought, "Oh dear." It was actually quite threatening, nasty, understated, the way you would do if you had like a thousand years of badass mm. in you. You know, mm. there you go. One thing the fans are warming to a lot, I think, is the move away from the concept that regeneration is death. It was mentioned in The Confidential by Stephen Moffat that he regards the Doctor not as 
a separate person, but a person who's had 10 previous lives. It's still the same person. It's one doctor with 11 faces. And fans really seem to be reacting to that. that they're saying, yes, we are getting away from this, I suppose, self-indulgent feel that the attendant doctor had, that he felt he was the only doctor, and that when he passed on, it wouldn't be the doctor anymore. But we're getting back to, I think, what is more pure. Regeneration is merely another phase in one person's life. Uh, I'll go with that. If I think back to the twin dilemma, there was that rather hard moment when Colin Baker was dismissing um, Peter Davison's uh, perso- persona, if you like, which I thought, which I always thought was a bit cruel. But then again, that was how the character was meant to be written. But it is nice to see some continuity. And there's been a number of threads about that whole Doctor montage uh, with people saying, "Oh, it's been overused." It's not been overused at all. It needs it needs to be there, and it needs to establish the fact that this is the same guy, and it and this is a continuation of the story. Uh, pretty much yeah. as pretty much as was stated at the end of um, the end of Time Part Two. Um, this song is ending, but the story never ends, that sort of thing. It's something I didn't really get time to mention during the recording of episode one, that I, I really felt that montage and Matt Smith basically bursting through David Tennant's face was, I think, the culmination of the BBC's frenzied publicity drive to make people realise that there is a new Doctor on the block. Yeah. Um, we That finally culminates in that scene where he, he walks through David Tennant's face and says, right, I'm the Doctor, I am the Doctor, and... I mean, we've talked before about how, you know, the BBC was really, really pushing to make sure that people remembered that there is a doctor other than David Tennant out there and that he'll be appearing on your screens very, very soon. Got so for, for me, that was a wonderful way to tie it up. Well, true, yeah, because for a lot of people, David Tennant is their doctor in the same way as, you know, maybe you or I have got uh, Pertwee or, Te- or Tom Baker. There's going to be there's a whole load of people under the age of fifteen who've got Tennant as their doc, so you know some some equals still as well. So it, this is an important time for them. It's an important moment. So Matt's got mm. a big job to do. I've got to say, I mean, but there's a lot of reaction. Seems to be, have, have the same idea of saying it's nice to have Doctor Who back, and I'm not. I can't tell at this point whether or not that's. Um, it's nice to have a, a doctor who can do, who can save the universe with a piece of string and a pair of braces, um, or that they've got a new doctor, or that the show's back weekly because it's been quite a long while. Um, but what I'm choosing to take from that is that they've got a weekly show back, and the tone has become, in contrast to what some people are saying, and it is a minority, that the show's come a, become a little bit more surreal and fantastic. Um, I didn't mention it in the, in the first episode, but for the moment it opens up, it seems a little bit more claustrophobic and a little bit more saturated in terms of colours. So it's a lot more fairy tale like already. Yeah, the, the colours are definitely there. Certainly in the first 10 or 15 minutes with the um, Amelia Pond scenes. I mean, we've, we've talked about the Alice in Wonderland similarities. There does seem to be that richness and saturation of colour there that I, that I think even extends to, to a small degree to the later scenes, like on the Village Green, for example, or in the hospital, really, really deep colours. And, and, and I think that's also a byproduct of the fact that we're now seeing these things that have been filmed with HD cameras. And they're, they're, they're giving us some really, really bold, striking colours that um, contrast in really interesting ways. So it's good to look at all the positive and diverse opinions that fans are having about the 11th hour. Uh, I'd just like to take a moment to highlight some of the more original ideas um, that are floating around in cyberspace right now. Um, my favourite one has got to be someone convinced that Rory is the Rani. There's always one. There's always one. Um, Rory is the Rani. Rory is the Rani. <laughs> I'm not sure where it's come from. 
Um, but he, uh, but he, because it is a he, uh, is saying that um, it's four letters long. He's, you know, he seems he's the nurse to the doctor's doctor. He's a counterpart. The master's gone. It's got to be the Rani. And it's like, oh god. Um, they and they both start with R, so obviously it must be the Rani. There used to be a show called Three Two One that old listeners might remember, and at the end of it, what you would do is you get a treasure hunt section, and this is the, that's the sort of logic that was used to find out if you had one dusty bin or a car. It's crazy. Um, hot on the heels of Rory is the Rani. We've got uh, Amelia is uh, an alternative universe Donna. Always got to be good, um, and. Uh, the old favourite that the Doctor hasn't actually regenerated. He's trapped in the TARDIS and David Tennant will be back halfway <laughs> through the season. That's uh, not crazy. That's that's just wishful thinking on some poor, besotted David Tennant <laughs> fan. It's it's really interesting. I saw a thread on there recently that there seems to be a lot of talk about that very intimate moment that the Doctor and Amy had on the Village Green. You know, that bit where they overcranked the camera and slowed it all down and there was that blue whether it was artificial or not, blue lens phase that seemed to creep across the image. People are saying that that has some ramification, that more than just them having a very special bonding moment, that that's something to do with silence creeping in and the you know the, the, the pandorical and stuff like that. People are freeze-framing every single frame in, in that short two or three-second scene and trying to work out some meaning from it beyond what I think was painfully obvious what the meaning of that scene was. Okay, do you know, let me let me go on record and say this. Doctor Who fans, I love you all. I am a Doctor Who fan. It's given my life comfort, direction and meaning on occasion. But do you know what? Some of us are absolutely crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, let me state too that we haven't sat down and written down the screen names of these people and said, oh, we'd better avoid them in the future type of thing. All these are totally anonymous. We haven't noted who they are. We've just tried to breathe in some of the kookiness that's out there because every Doctor episode is like that. I mean, especially an episode like this which has a new Doctor, new season. There's going to be theories abounding about every single frame of this story and and especially when we're going to be getting another season arc that it brings out these sort of theories in in people and and, and they're all glorious to read. Oh, don't, and don't get me wrong, the only, thing, the only difference between some of the crazy ones and the things I say is that I just don't say them out loud because I've, I've got some weird things going on in my head. I just don't write them all down. That's all it is. <laughs> so we've covered ourselves? I think good. so. Right. Jolly good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's ace. I, mean, I don't know another fandom that's quite so... Oh, what's the, what's the word that's quite so colourful? Um, you know, there, there are other, starts, other science fiction shows in the world, um, but some of them which are based on hierarchy and travelling around in big battleships and stuff. Um, but Doctor Who seems to have the most colourful and accepting and welcoming uh, fandom. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it is entertaining to read some of the more, as I say, the more energetically creative mm. Uh, mm. theories. Some of them are going to be right, some of them will be wrong, but part, you know, part of the fun of being a Doctor Who fan is the speculation. I mean, it's worked for the last 46 years. You know, bring it on. Well, that, I think, is just a mere smattering of the fan opinion out there. Uh, you, know, you know, for those listeners who, who don't really dabble into them, I, I would suggest going and giving them a look because it will really open your eyes about what other people are thinking of your favourite uh, TV show. Mm. Um, you can check out the Gallifrey Base Forums. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check out the uh, Doctor Who Online Forums. Or you can come and join our own forums at the Doctor Who Podcast. Um, it's free to join, instant to join, and you can get in there and start scrapping about with uh, fellow listeners and fellow Doctor Who fans as well. So certainly plenty of places to um, either confirm or totally explode your <laughs> thoughts and opinions on particular episodes. So... Yeah, dive yeah. in the water's warm 
Absolutely, absolutely. Also, a reminder that the DWO WhoCast continues its journey through time and cyberspace. Um, Paul and Seb are back in the driving seat, so do give it a listen. It's a very different feel. It's a very different kind of podcast, but definitely it worth is. your time. It is, most definitely. You can check that out at thewhocast.com. But you all know that anyway, because we were only there a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> but anyway, um, we've already received some feedback here at the DWP. Oh, let's have some. Awesome. <laughs> Thank cool. you, guys. Thank you, guys. Um, we received an, an email from uh, Bobby Lillat. I hope I'm getting that right. Um, he sent in his thoughts on the 11th hour, and he says, uh, I feel so excited about Doctor Who. I haven't felt so excited about Doctor Who since the beginning of Series 1 and greeted Matt Smith with all the enthusiasm I could muster. I was perhaps one of the few who actually knew who he was before he was anointed into the Who stratosphere, and I defended him through all the Doctor Who Junior and Hollyoaks and space nonsense. And I have to say, on the basis of last night, I was, of course, absolutely correct. He makes a fantastic Doctor. He is like a bouncing puppy of energy. Indeed, his enthusiasm is positively infectious. At some points, he approached towards irritation, but never really arrived there. I thought it was a very well-judged performance, and I look forward to the rest of the series. I even liked the TARDIS even if it was just the original with an installed staircase. Maybe that's a good metaphor for the entire episode. It's the same, but not quite. However, no ointment is fly repellent, and unfortunately I do have some problems. Two fairly geeky ones and a rather more serious one. Firstly, the geeky stuff. As much as I love the light gothic tone of the new credit sequence, the new theme tune is dire. It felt as though it was deliberately trying to avoid the original music but wimping out at the last minute, either to keep up with the classic score or to create something new. Don't try and do both. What you end up with is a confusing, dismal techno drum and bass soup of a theme tune. Secondly, due to the lengthy setup, um, the monster had little screen time and very little to do, and therefore wasn't particularly scary, destroying any sense of purpose. This felt like a hangover of the RTD era. Now on to my biggest complaint. I was uncomfortable with the overtly sexualised depiction of the Amy Pond character. Ordinarily, this wouldn't bother me because, let's face it, she is rather beautiful, but only in an incredibly gorgeous way. And I don't want to come across as a boring Mary Whitehouse Daily Mail cretin, but I watched the show as I have done throughout all of the modern run with my little cousin Sarah, who was only eight years old. I've been very pleased how the writers have managed to write female characters who are not objects, but independent, strong-willed women. Here, though, it seems Pond was just there as a sexual object, with the camera constantly pouring over her body, and I didn't quite know what to say when my cousin asked what a kissogram was. Also, I didn't appreciate the porn jokes aimed at the good-looking fellow on the webcam with Patrick Moore. Um, it seemed like the show was no longer aimed at children but young teenagers, which maybe is a wise move on the part of the writers because they probably realised that the children who watched Eccleston and Tennant have now grown up. But kids are still watching, and I hope they remember this. In saying all that, my cousin had a great time almost collapsing onto the floor with giggles at Matt Smith. I'm not sure that she, or I for that matter, cared about Amy Pond or understood her purpose. Also, what is it with the Doctor and the brides-to-be? He's turning into James Bond. Anyway, sorry for rambling on. I fear I've taken up too much of your time and, more importantly, your sanity. Yours with a handshake. Bobby Layla. Oh, I should have read the end of that first, shouldn't I? <laughs> One of my New Year's resolutions this year is to actually learn more French. So I've, I've failed at the first step there, Tom. And, and I apologise to all French people. That's not so bad. It's a beautiful language, but, you know, we get into it slowly. <laughs> well, OK, that's, that's an interesting set of opinions. I mean, the two things I'd pull out of that, maybe go back to what we were saying in the review. Um, I understand where he's coming from with the... Uh, 
with the way that uh, Karen was depicted, but I just immediately think of Nicola Bryant in Planet of Fire, and that was 20-odd years ago. Um, here's a girl in a bikini, and there she is again, and there she is again, and oh, look, mm. there she is again. Mm. Um, so I, I do take his point, but it's not it's nothing new under the sun. John Nathan Turner's on record as saying that the, he regarded the companions on and off as just being something for the dance. I don't, you know, I'm not... I'm not going to comment on that one way or the other, but it's not an old idea to, that the companion is a particularly attractive young woman, um, which, again, feeds back into the idea that, well, yeah, we get older, so as we get older, we see these things. Um, as a child, I never, as a child, I never realised about Louise James, how actually attractive Louise Jameson really was. I just saw Leela the Savage. Um, but I watched it again recently and thought, my God, she was hot. But I, I just never <laughs> noticed at the time. Um it might also have something to do with the fact that children also are exposed to an awful lot, a lot more information and imagery than we are. So um, the, the idea that someone might be looking at something a bit suspect on the internet to a child is like, well, yeah, that's what some people do. As long as it's not what they're doing, it's all fine. I don't necessarily mm. disagree with, with Bobby, actually. I, I think he's raised some good points. I, I can just see the counter arguments. And, they, and for me, they seem to be based in time, i.e. when are we now? What context are we seeing the show in? Um, but yeah, do you know what? I'm so glad that we get any kind that we get any kind of feedback that's so well considered. That fine, Bobby, send some more. Maybe maybe have a reply for me as well. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Well, that might be it for this particular episode of the DWP. Um, thank you for your company. Thank you for your time. We'll be back in a very few short days with episode three. James has uh, put together a fantastic interview he had recently with Annika Wills, Holly. Uh, who was the who was the companion to the uh, first and second Doctor. He had a marvellous chat to her recently, and it'll be our pleasure to present that interview to you um, this coming weekend. So um, please keep an eye out for that on your feeds. We'll be back next week with episode four of the Doctor podcast, where we'll be reviewing the second episode of Matt Smith's tenure, The Beast Below. We should never have come here. The darkness in the heart of this nation. Help us, Doctor. The smiling fellas in the booze, they're everywhere. Our only hope. This isn't a trick. This is for real. You've got to find the doctor and get him back to the target. Please get the doctor off this ship. Ooh, I'm scared already. <laughs> but yes. So we will say good evening to you all and leave you with one last bit of feedback that we received from Adam Pearson. Please have a listen to what he says about the 11th hour and we will see you all very soon. Bye-bye. Take it easy. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Pearson from Cows on the Isle of Wight giving you my thoughts on the 11th hour. First off, the opening title... TARDIS flight scene was uh, very exciting and uh, I really enjoyed that and then it suddenly turned into the new title sequence uh, the only thing I can say about that is at least we uh, have the sting and I thought it was very Americanized the, the whole tight face and, and, and fast moving titles especially at the end into the story and uh, I thought um, the child Amelia was absolutely delightful I understand from the confidential that the actress is related to Karen Gillan but it's a shame that um, that she had blue eyes, whereas uh, the older Amy clearly had hazel eyes. Am I nitpicking? Well, apparently that's what Doctor Who fans do. There's a great opening scene in the garden between the two characters, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Talking of Amy, Amy Pond, oh my God, she is utterly beautiful, spellbinding, and great chemistry between Gillan and Smith, so... I'm sure that uh, will continue for the whole series. And I think that's going to be a major point uh, for the success of this series. And I uh, also noticed that on the laptop, uh, the Myth logo was quite prominent. I wonder if that's going to be part of this uh, story arc that uh, they seem to be uh, mentioning a few times, like that 
Silence Will Fall, which uh, sounds quite familiar to previous story arcs, like uh, All the Stars Will Go Out and stuff like that. It was also lovely to see the cameo by Sir Patrick Moore, who well deserves an appearance in Doctor Who. Uh, I thought the scene where we see all the Doctor's previous faces and then he steps through the image uh, was very RTD, but great fun nevertheless. Um, also, I remember seeing, uh, or thought I remember seeing a bit of the half in the, uh, the actual protected Earth flashback sequence. So I can't remember the half actually um, attacking Earth in any way, but I may be wrong there. As far as the new TARDIS interior goes, I love it, and I think the exterior will probably grow on me. And who is Amy marrying tomorrow morning? Who cares, to be honest with you? Now, I, I've been tried to be um, find some negative things about uh, this, and I think the only negative thing is that it didn't seem to me like a Stephen Moffat story. Uh, fair enough, the aliens are a little bit scary with their big open mouth and their big sharp teeth, which look quite similar to... Um, the shots I've seen with the vampires later on in the series and it was quite as I've said before RTD-ish I really loved it I really loved it I'm so good it's got off to a good start and I hope that everybody else agrees with me that was the Doctor Who podcast which you can find at the thedoctorwhopodcast.com if you have any feedback please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com you can also find us on Twitter Facebook and via the Doctor Who podcast forums Thank you for listening. Take care. Uh, on that Doctor Companion thing, I think I think the second line out of his mouth was, um, what was it? Oh, think, 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 think. In fact, why don't I just check my notes? Da, 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 da. Can I have an apple? No, no. Uh, that's right. The, uh, the second line was, um, do everything. I, I really love apples. <laughs> well, okay. Well, we can talk about that. There was that thing the about the third line. Then uh, the um, the apple apples of David. Well, because we know what an apple. Well, we know what apple. <laughs> we know what an apple of David is going to do, don't we? <laughs> okay. The fourth line then.